Take a look in the uh, first uh, book in the Bible, the book of Index, and, uh, and then move past Index to uh, Genesis. Take a look at that in Genesis, the 24th chapter. I shared a couple of testimonies from a friend of mine with a board this past uh, what day is today, Wednesday, this past Monday. And uh, it's a friend of mine who pastors a church um, probably a couple hours from here. And uh, he's been at that church for more than 20 years. And uh, it's a small church, a rural community. And uh, the church he'd gone through before he got there about uh, in in a matter of 12 to 15 years, gone through 22 pastors. Uh, so if you, you knew if you went there, it meant death to you. I mean, you're going to get to hang out there a few months. And that's certainly to go through that many ministers. Uh, surely not all of them were bad. So when he went there, he said, I, uh, I'd go around town and I'd hear the reports of this pastor and this pastor and this pastor and what this one did, what that one did. And he said the church had zero credibility in the community, zero reputation in a positive way in the community. We were the church where all the pastors came through. And he said it took me a long while, a number of years, to be able to establish a better reputation. I was engaged in and a lot of ministerial activity in the community and and my friend he is uh, he, he just fits perfectly and uh, he said so after a number of years I went to you know the church board we had a four uh, man board and said you have a church parsonage and we're growing and uh, and we gonna need a little staff maybe some youth youth uh, you know, leader and stuff like that. And uh, I would just wonder if you would consider, since I don't own a home, uh, if you would consider uh, letting me buy a home, getting a housing allowance, and then take the parsonage to uh, use it for maybe a staff that comes in, and it could be part of a salary, et cetera. And he said there was one leader on the four-man board that said, well, we already got a house and you don't need a house. So he just kind of blurted it out for the rest of the board members and said, nope, we're not going to do that. Well, it's no wonder they went through 22 pastors. Uh, no consideration, no talk, a one-man gun show. And he said, that really bruised me. He said, it bruised me in a lot of ways. I was giving everything that I had, everything to doing. The church was growing and Financially, we were seeing some miracles and we're gaining back a more positive reputation. And he said, it hurt me. And he said, I realized then, wow, now I know why. I'd been there longer now than all the 22 pastors. Virtually, you know, any of them stayed not long as I'd already stayed. And he said, it hurt me. And I went home and told my wife, you know what, I think we're getting out of here. And she said, you know, uh, did God tell us to come here? He said, yep. She said, well, did God tell us to leave? He said, nope. Then she said, we ain't going. We're here. This is where we're at. We're going to do it the God way. And he said, I, I moped around a little bit. I was disappointed. I mean, he could understand that. A little disappointed and 
because of my gracious. Uh, he said, so anyway, in my time of prayer, he said, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, listen, what man withholds from his hand, I will place it in your hand. What man withholds, I will place it in your hand. And he said, that was the promise of God. And uh, he said, we, uh, we rocked on uh, with, with years. Now, I want you to pause there. We'll get into the message. How many of you know, you hear me say it, that your footsteps, I often say the footsteps of the righteous, but you're the righteous. Your footsteps are ordered of the Lord. God directs your path gives you guidance and wisdom and that's why we call it trust god's guidance we are told that we don't have the comfort zone of being able to walk by sight but we walk by faith there are business people in this room tonight we have many business people and most of you started your own business you didn't start your business because you had an immediate profit line most of you sooner or later you had to step out and say i've got to make some capital investment and and if I make that capital investment, I, I believe that sooner or later that, that our outgo is going to be smaller and our income is going to be greater. And then as we make a profit, we're going to be able to pay back the capital expenditure and take that. And then eventually we might make a sour and eventually we might really make a profit in this business. No businessman usually starts, at least in small business, where you have the promise, hey man, I'm doing this, this is no risk at all. I'm just, I'm just going to make bucket loads of money. Everything that you do has to do with risk. When you leave this parking lot tonight, there, listen friend, what you don't know, there are some of the most maniac drivers right here in this room right now. I'm warning you, be careful when you leave. They will run over you. The point is, your life is filled with all kind of risk. If you sign for a 15-year mortgage on your house, and you say, or a 30-year mortgage, or whatever the case, I mean, you say, well, I, uh, I hope we're going to be able to pay it back. We're, we're having a big, big risk here. That's life. We walk by. We walk by faith, and not by what? Not by sight, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, tonight's message I promise you it's going to be about intervention from God, a need for absolute obedience to the Lord. It's about a promise that is kept. It is about a divine guidance, and it has a happy, happy ending. And God, we know, does all things well. I believe that. I hear it. But what if you talk about my friend, his name, first name was Johnny, my friend who had been preaching a good while in his life. He was not a novice pastor. He'd been there for a number of years. And I walk up and say to him, just after the board, that board guy told him, nah, you got a house. We don't need it. We're not interested, etc." And I walked up and said, now don't get nervous, okay? All thing works well for those that believe. Well, he would say it didn't just take place in that boardroom back there. And if I say to him and I say to you, keep the faith, brother, keep the faith, I just got slapped. Keep the faith. I mean, there's no thank you or anything. Or I say, you know, listen, it's going to happen in due time. When? When? Have you ever said when? When is it going to take place? But God does all things well, especially when we don't get nervous, when we keep the faith, and we forget the clock. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, just forget the clock. 
Y'all mean it? Yeah. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many know what it says? Just in case you've forgotten, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper uh, you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Give you hope and a future. Give you hope and a future. And we have the beginning of something like that to take place in our lives tonight. The promise of a future. Our points, we have to have that covenant trust that we have with Jesus. We must have a purposeful obedience, and we must be divinely led. Isaiah 61, verse 3, write this down in your notes. Why should we succumb to the spirit of heaviness when we trade the oil of gladness and the garment of praise through Christ? In other words, if I truly believe that God does all things well, why should I let any activity, any voice, any authority cause me to succumb to the spirit of heaviness when I have the garments and the gladness of praise that comes through Jesus Christ? So in every area of my life, I have to make decisions daily. Am I going to succumb to that heaviness, to that discouragement, to that no? Or am I going to say, God, one thing I do have that the enemy cannot take, and it is my praise. Amen? It's my anointing that comes from you. You, you anoint me coming in and going out. So here it is, the covenant of trust. It is a story about Abraham finding a wife for his son uh, Ishmael. Y'all with me? How many say Isaac? There you go, just checking because you, you might, you're going to learn. It's Isaac. So here it is, Genesis 24. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, who spoke to me, promised me an oath. That's all I have, promised me an oath. To your offspring, I will give this land and he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. Abraham doing the talking, speaking to a servant. He's old and he's ready to die. But there's one thing that is an oath that has not been fulfilled. And you know what? It really doesn't matter in our history and in our past how many wonderful things God's done in the past. Oh yeah, look what the Lord has done. You know what matters most, God? But this one thing, this deal right here, this big mountain right now that I'm facing, I appreciate all that. But right now, this is the thing that's trying to load me up with a spirit of heaviness. And God says, you're going to walk by faith and not sight. Tell me how you're going to manage that. He's old. He's served well. You know that he's wealthy. He's had favor with the people. He's peace with his enemies. Sarah, his wife now, has, has died. And it's his desire to be certain that Isaac, because without the fulfillment of this oath and this promise, then there is no future. Find a wife that will complement his future. So he takes his most trusted servant. You know, I heard someone the other day say in a meeting, and it was a, a pretty stiff meeting that I was conducting with a group of individuals, and one guy spoke up with an arrogant attitude and said, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. And I could not let that go. I said, let me tell you something. You are so blind to your own arrogance 
it's pitiful. The reality is every, everybody needs somebody. Sometimes a song just came to me. We all need somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. We all need each other. And if you build your life an island unto yourself, you're going to miss a lot of the wonderful opportunities of life. His most trusted servant. And he says, I want you to, I want you to go find my son a wife. I want you to go to Nahor. I want you to not stay here among the land of the Canaanites. I want you to go back to my people and listen. Here's what I know. The Lord God of heaven, he's spoken to me, and he said that my son Isaac, you know Isaac, is going to have blessing and favor, and all the land belongs to him, and he's going to multiply what God has promised that I'm at. He's going to multiply it in the life of Isaac. Isaac doesn't have anything to offer. And maybe you're at one of those places tonight that your registry is on zero. Maybe your bank account's on zero. Maybe your emotional excitement is on zero. Maybe your stress level is peaked really, really high. Those are the best places in the world for God to bring something out of the ashes of your life. And understand that God is always able to take every situation in our life and give us new opportunities. That was the covenant promise of Abraham. And we know that many people have dreams for the future, desires of the heart, and goals that we are believing in. And we all know, set your goals, set your goals. Can I tell you something? I have missed more goals than I've accomplished. Hello? Are you with me? I missed. So here's what I do. Since I've missed more goals than I've accomplished, I ain't going to do no more goals. What kind of life is that? I'm going to mope around and be blown around with the air and the wind because I have no significant purpose. You see, no matter what has not happened, if you ever continually cave to what has not happened, you will never enjoy of what can happen. Amen? You'll never get there. Let me move on before I get excited. Some of them, if all, have not been realized. But Satan will tempt us, as he did my friend Johnny, to have tunnel vision. And yet God will challenge us to say, look at the big picture. What's going on now is only a small part of the puzzle. Don't focus on the small tunnel vision part of the puzzle because when all the pieces are put in there, you're going to be amazed at what you are going to see. Amen? So when we look at that, tunnel vision will do this. It will reduce your future to your present disappointment. And not only that, it will cause you to limit God to time and space. God, if you don't show up here... If you don't do it here in this place at this time, it will cause you to reduce your faith to your feelings. And you cannot trust your feelings and expect to operate in faith. Tie the hands. It will tie the hands of the supernatural because you're not expecting anything. But on the other hand, the big picture vision causes you to look beyond disappointment and to believe that this could be the day of fulfilled expectations 
And you can enlarge your faith and your tent and your future, and you can provoke God to increase his blessings for you. Why? Abraham said, I will trust the covenant that God has had for me. If you say, I will trust the God to fulfill his covenant with me in the midst of disappointment, I'm here to tell you, you will excite the heart of God, and God will, in fact, not disappoint you. Not disappoint you ever. For God desires to do what? To bless you and not to harm you. And so it is in number two that there must be a purposeful obedience in Genesis 24, 12. Then he prayed, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. He didn't say show me kindness that I can shine and go back to my master and say, look what I did. God, you use me through my obedience to bring glory to my master. What kind of servant is that? Invaluable. Amen? Invaluable. Abraham's trusted servant, given the specific instructions, give me the oath of commitment, put your hand under my thigh, find my wife or find my son a wife. Don't get her from the Canaanites. He says, get one of my extended family. God will move supernaturally. I believe that. And you're going to find the woman that, that is for Isaac. But listen, my master, what if I get where I'm going and I cannot get the woman to come back with me? And then Abraham said, he said it, hey, if she doesn't come back with you, you're off the hook. You're off the hook. Abraham's servant did exactly what Abraham asked him to do. It did not violate the desire of his master. Why? Because God does all things well, and we see the dreams fulfilled if we're obedient to God. The best place to really dig in on your faith is in the midst of great difficulty. So my friend Johnny, he said, I went several years. I had that promise. He said, uh, not until just recently, after all these years living in the parsonage and not having a house that we could have equity in, he said, maybe a couple years ago, a man who came to the church on Wednesday night in Wednesday night prayer meeting, and he said he walked up to me because he doesn't come regularly, and he said, uh, Pastor Johnny, he said, uh, do you own a home? And he said, no, sir, I don't. He said, you live in the parsonage there, do you? Yes, sir, I do. He said, oh, okay, all right. Well, you know, maybe the Lord will provide. Time rocked on until not too long ago, less than six months ago. You got a call from an attorney in that area are you johnny and called his name you come to my office and walked in and he said do you have ten dollars he turned to his wife said do you have ten dollars <laughs> sure he said we put the ten dollars down and he said sign right here because that man in his favor and in his estate owned a home on one of the largest lakes in that community. The home's located on a canal. Pastor Johnny loves to fish. 
with a boat dock, the house totally refurbished, granite on the countertops, wood flooring, all that went with it and said, this is your house. This man gifted it to you. And then I remembered, God, you said, what man withholds in his hand, you would give it to me in my hand to a man that I barely knew. Do you believe God still performs miracles? Amen? That we can get rid of that cloak of heaviness and begin to exalt the name of the Lord. You see, sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Did you know that? We may require more than what God requires. Think about that. We may have disciplines that we have aborted because we got tired. We may let the enemy tell us that we're no good, we've failed, we've lost. We may lose focus and expectation from what God has in favor for us. And we may not be available to listen when God does speak. Abraham placed the fulfillment of his covenant in the hands of his trusted servant. And what is the parallel? We can place our life in the hands of the trusted son of the living God. The disobedience of this servant or obedience of this servant became key to the fulfillment of Abraham and Isaac's future. The key to that fulfillment. What is the key to my fulfillment, your fulfillment? It is staying and remaining faithful in the midst when there is no wind blowing, there is nothing happening, there is disappointment, and whatever you hear is nothing but anxiety. And God says, but don't forget, don't let the enemy put the spirit of heaviness on you when you have the privilege to have the garment of praise and blessing. Amen? Live that way. So we must be divinely led. Finally, Genesis 24, 18, drink my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar in her hands, gave him a drink, and after she'd given a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they finish drinking. That is a miracle right there. Because it is so, so opposite of what should have taken place in that culture. Abraham, servant saddled up and took off, went down to Nahor. He arrived late in the afternoon. There's a stream there. There's a well there. And he just waited. The camels that he had, it says that he kind of had in the background. And they knelt there. And he waited, and he prayed a prayer and said, God, I need expedient success. I need you to fulfill the covenant that my master has given to me. He believes, I believe, while he is talking. Rebecca walked up toward the end of his prayer and the stranger looked up and observed her, and she was a babe. And the spirit that emanated from her 
touched this servant's heart, and he knew because the Holy Spirit was working that. That's the girl right there. I feel that. I believe it. But what did he have to do? He had to go through the process. He had to go through the process as he was instructed. And what was the process? I have to ask her, tell me, what, what tribe of you? She stated she was the tribe of some of the distant kin of, of Abraham. Okay, that's good. You're not a Canaanite. She had the water jug on her shoulder, and, and he said, uh, do you suppose I could have a drink? N against the culture. you got to understand that she was completely covered from head to toe. And she reached and lowered her, her vessel of water down and gave the servant a drink of water. She looked past his shoulder and saw his animals. And he said, my animals need water without hesitating. She said, I'll be delighted. I will be delighted to water your animals. It said she poured water in a water trough. Took more than one visit to the well to get it, and he watched. And he knew that Rebecca was the one that God had marked for Isaac. I, I thought about that. If you look at the possible challenges, if you look at the challenges and you think, Isaac never saw her before she was declared to be his wife. He never laid eyes on her. I don't know all you men here, okay? But I think I know what you may think. Yard talk. I ain't marrying anybody that I can't see. Hello? And you know what else sometimes men think? Even if I see her, I want to be able to look at her, her body. Y'all with me? But she's covered up. You can hide a lot of imperfections covered up he had not seen her here's something else the servant could have been lazy and said Abraham's not here I don't care who Isaac the little rat marries you know he could have dropped the ball what if he'd been late and missed her at the well what if she was having a bad day, if you know what I mean, and said to the servant, get lost and get water yourself. I've got people back at the house that I'm having to cook dinner for. You get your own water. The servant went to a well and went to the stream, if you read carefully, not to one of great affluence. 
It was one that was kind of distant from all the bigger places to get water. But it was there, and she, she watered the camels. Without a word in Genesis 24, 21, without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his, the Lord had made his journey successful. There she is. Genesis 24, 26, Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. And as for me, the Lord has led me on this journey to the house of my master's relatives. My friend Johnny said, My wife went nuts over that house. He said, during this tenure before the house, being reminded that God had spoken and I wanted to leave and my wife said no and we stayed several more years. And then one of the board members, he said, not too long ago, said, you know, Pastor Johnny, you drive our old raggedy, our old raggedy church bus to go to hospital visitation and into the mobile home parks. and He said, I appreciate you bringing it up. You suppose I could, get, I could drive my own car and just give me a little fuel allowance. And guess who said, nope. Church van will get you right where you need to be. And that's the way it was. Until on Wednesday night, two or three, four months ago, a man who comes periodically to church on Wednesday night came by during the week and said, Hey, Pastor Johnny. He said, uh, This is a different man than the house. He said, you drive that old Ford, that old van, got the church name. He said, you got time to go with me? And he said, well, I, I reckon. He said, he drove down to the Ford dealership and said, Pastor Johnny, there's a whole row of F-150 Ford pickup trucks. Why don't you go down there and pick you one out? Pastor Johnny said, you know, I, I go and I look, you get a cheap one. And the man said, don't look at the price. He said, so I went down and I found the one I thought, wow. Is that the one you like? He said, let's go inside. He said, that man wrote a check for that Ford F-150. And he said, it's got everything on it. And he said, if you go out there into the parking lot, you'll see her sitting out there. God reminded me again what man with holes in his hand I will put in your hand if you are faithful.
Now, I'm not suggesting God's going to get you an F-150. And I am not because there are things more valuable than an F-150. And I'm not saying that God is going to give you a brand or a new refurbished house on a lake. Because there are things that are more valuable. Though I can't think of any right now. Far more valuable than a house on a lake. But here's the point of the story. Over all those years, he remained faithful to God, to the promise that God had given him, and did not give up. And out of nowhere, God moved on two different individuals and fulfilled the need that he had. Now, this Bible story, you look and you think, well, that's in the Bible. But the story that I shared with you, I can take you to that man's house. I can take you to where that truck is because he's a dear friend of mine. And I can tell you that what God did for him, he can do for you. If when God tells you, hey, it's my desire not to harm you, but to bless you. And it's my desire for you not to take on the robe of heaviness, but put on the robe of gladness. You can shout the redemption of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he's saying. Understand that this servant fell on his knees and he proclaimed and stood upon the trust that was in him. And he maintained a focus of purposeful obedience. And he believed that we and others are divinely led of God and the purpose of God's will will be fulfilled through us I believe that with all my heart amen my good friend Pastor Johnny said and that ain't all a couple of months ago the church kitty the meow was kind of weak. <laughs> He's a country guy. It's all right. The church kitty, the funds in the church was a little weak. And he said, here I thought I got that new F-150 out there. God, you bless us, and I got this house, but the church... He said, on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, my friend, I have a different perspective on Wednesday night now. All his miracles came out of the Wednesday night crowd. Hello? <laughs> he said, I've been talking to God about it. And he said, we got finished, and a guy walked up to me, and he said, let me shake your hand, Pastor Johnny. And when he shook my hand, he had something in his hand, and these were his words. Pastor Johnny, I could have put this in the offering for the church, but I felt like the Lord told me to put it in your hand. He said he had no idea What God had told me, what man withholds, or what maybe the enemy withholds, God says, 
I'll put it. Abraham, don't you worry about Isaac. Don't you sweat Isaac. Don't you sweat the oath or the promise. I'm going to put something in your hand, and the oath is going to be fulfilled. He said, I couldn't wait to get back to my office to see what that man had put in my hand. He said, it was a check for $30,000. And someone in the room gave a loud meow. (laughs) The meow got really loud. Now listen, friend. I brought a personal example that a friend of mine told me a week ago this past Monday. And I'm saying to you because there's no accidents that take place when people are directed of the Lord. Some of you need this message to speak to your heart that says to you, don't listen to your naysayer. Don't look at what is visible. Look beyond that. And remember this. God desires to bless you and not harm you and to give you favor. Amen? And he will give you favor if you just get up every morning. Go to work if you can. Work hard. Honor God first. And before you know it, at just the right moment, God will come by and say, I'm taking care of you. Let's stand up and give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? I believe it. Would you bow your heads with me? So if you're here tonight and you're not right with Jesus, and we called the attention of all of us in this room just a few minutes ago, It's time you made the commitment that really settled in your heart to follow after the Lord. You see, my friend, God loves you so much that he may not smack you in the face, though he could. He loves you so much that he might not come and twist your arm. He loves you so much that he may not just going to take your business and put a down spiral on it until you drop on your knees. Because true love doesn't have to be forced. The love that you can have with Jesus and the power of his love is he gives you the privilege to choose. And every decision of your life, God doesn't make choices for you. He gives you the privilege to hear his word, to read his word, to seek his face, to pray. And he will, hallelujah, speak to your heart. And as you listen to him, he will, in fact, give you direction and give you favor. But you have to believe that. You cannot allow the enemy to endeavor to speak to you that you begin to believe in the disappointments and the unanswered prayer. And you cannot put a time limit on what God does. Oh, Pastor Johnny's been there between 20 and 25 years now. And just now, in the last several months, 
the benefits of God's favor has fallen into his life. Remember this, Moses, or Abraham was almost dead when Isaac found his wife. For years and years and years, Sarah died not knowing about it. But old Abraham told his servant, you go, here's what God said. God's speaking to some of you right now with a Holy Spirit anointing, with divine guidance, and listen to that voice, and then be obedient to what God has right now. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Everybody in this room, would you do that? Dear Jesus, Jesus forgive me of my sins. I need forgiveness. I have failed you. I have misbehaved. I haven't done what I know I should do. I've been belligerent. I've been stubborn. I've been self-willed. I have been angry. But tonight, I'm releasing that and I'm trusting you. Help me, Lord Jesus. Do what you desire. Redeem me and I believe by faith I am now forgiven. In Jesus' name amen let's give the lord would you that clap offering again of praise take off the garment of heaviness we're going to sing this song we're going to sing this song and if god has spoken directly to your heart and you know that you cannot leave this room and feel comfortable until you're obedient with the lord and all it takes is that first step so before i give the benediction you be obedient to god and let's see what god will do just for you sing it together with us if you will